Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Sometimes these days when I run into people that haven't been around for a long time, but they've heard that there are changes in my uh, spirituality and what I believe and where I'm coming from, you know, they'll just ask me. And full confession here, I can be very wordy, and I realize that that's uh, not a good thing to do, especially by the time people's eyes start to glaze over. So I've been working on what I can say concisely that won't turn them off, but that might be a good way to say it. So basically, what I'm saying these days, well, I've come to change my mind about what I thought about God and religion, and I embrace the understanding that God is good, and God is only good, and God is always good to all people. And I've learned that having that mindset, I've come to understand that anything that I see that's good— whether it's in Scripture or in another book or in a person or in somebody's teaching or whatever, anything that I see as good is from God. Anything that I see as not good is not from God. And for me, that sort of eliminates the what about question. Whenever I see something that's not good about God and that something comes to my mind, well, what about this verse or that verse or this doctrine or that doctrine or this teaching or that teaching? I've come to realize if I have to ask, but what about this or that, then this or that is not God. That just works for me. I'm not sure if it will for you or not. I didn't. Uh, that's not original with me. That comes from the early church fathers. They had a uh, sort of a criteria that if somebody was going to, after being their disciple or somebody that they mentored or was in their school or whatever, that before somebody could open the scriptures and go to figure out what they were going to teach the group that they were teaching and leading, they had to come at it from the mindset of God is good, only good, always good to all people. Well, that sort of changes things. And that reminds me of my friend Malcolm Smith. I think you all know, we've been talking about this long enough on here, of what sin is, the word that's kind of been captured by religion and doesn't really mean what the original writers meant. When the original writers wrote it, the Greek word was metanoia, which means to change your mind. And virtually every time it was used in Scripture, it meant change your mind about God. No longer believe what religion taught you, whether it was the Jewish religion or the religion of the Egyptians or the Babylonians or whoever, change your mind to believe that God is good, only good, 
and always good to all people, always. And remembering that definition of changing your mind to that, then the original word sin, armartia, meant missing the mark, missing the mark of God's perfect goodness and falling short, believing that God is less than perfect goodness. And Malcolm Smith says that's the biggest sin of all, thinking that God is not good in some area, not good to all people all the time. Jesus said in John 10.10, the second part of the verse, he said, I came so that all people may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And the word for life there is zoe, the Greek word, which means the God kind of life, somebody who's possessed divine vitality, somebody who's animate, somebody who's full of joy. Another time in John 15, 5, the night before he died, Jesus was talking to his followers then, summarizing all the things he taught them. This is the the vine and the branch passage. I'm going to start with verse 5 of John 15. Jesus says, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live as though you are separated from me, You're not really separated, but you live that way. You think you are. When you live as though you're separated from me, you're powerless. As you live in life union with me, and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify our Father ask, and it'll be done for you. And, you know, we use the acrostic D-E-E-M, deem, to mean delightfully expect effortless manifestation. When we ask for something, rather than ask a distant God out there somewhere or up there somewhere to give us something, we're learning what God wants us to do and what the early church did, and some people have been doing ever since then, is to thank God in advance for what we already have and then delightfully expect effortless manifestation of that in our lives. Jesus goes on to say in verse 9 of John 15, he said, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy I experience will fill your hearts with joy and overflowing gladness. So he said, this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I've loved you, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends, which, of course, Jesus did for us. Now, you and I and all people have abundant life from Jesus already. He said that. We can, right now, experience and enjoy overflowing gladness. Jesus gave us that, and his gifts are real and irrevocable. So why would we not, at any given time, experience and enjoy that abundant life? I know I don't 24-7. I'm experiencing it and enjoying it much more these days but still not 24-7. So why not? Well, I think it's sometimes because we forget that we have it. Sometimes the things that go on in life take our focus off of it. 
sometimes we don't really believe that we really do have abundant life. And of course, we can make choices that steal, kill, and destroy our joy and our experience of abundant life. Other people can make choices that hurt us. But think about this. What if the reason that we don't always experience abundant, joyful life, the kind of life that Jesus gave us, what if that's because we don't really believe God is good, only good, and always good to all people? What if we don't really believe that? See, I found that with me anyway, maybe this is true with you, that when things don't go well in my life, I tend to sort of go to a default setting of of thinking. I may not actually go through this process, but I kind of get this feeling or I think, well, maybe God's not always good. Or maybe God's not good to me right now because I've done this or that. I know God works all things for the good, but maybe that's really not going to happen with me. So, That can certainly be a reason why we don't experience the abundant life. We just plain don't believe that God really is good. Let me ask you, are you confident that when a bad situation happens, are you confident that God did not cause that and did not bring that about to teach you something? That's a common lie that religion teaches. I have very close friends, wonderful people who sincerely believe the lie that, well, God gave me this disease to teach me a lesson, or God caused me to go bankrupt to teach me whatever. No, God doesn't cause those things. We cause them by our actions and our decisions or somebody else's actions and decisions that affect us. God is good all the time. I mean, Jesus is the great healer for crying out loud. He didn't go around causing diseases. He came to heal diseases. Let's look at what King David wrote in the Old Testament. This is Psalm 103. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Everyone thank God for he is good and easy to please. Your tender love for us, Lord, continues on forever. Who could ever fully describe your glorious miracles? Papa, who could ever praise you enough? The happiest one on earth is the one who hears your living word and clings to the righteousness you give them and remembers every moment that you are good. Lord, you take joy in your people and you bring the blessings of salvation, making us whole in every way. It's just so important that remember we remember every moment that God is good. Here's another psalm that David wrote, Psalm 65. God in Zion. To you even silences praise. You who answer prayer, all of humanity comes before you with their request. Your sacrifice covers all the times we miss the mark of your goodness. How blessed is the one you choose to live near you in your courts. The beauty of your house, your holy temple, satisfies us. And we know today that we are the temple of the Lord where God lives. Verse 5, so you answer our prayers with amazing wonders and with awe-inspiring displays of power. You are the righteous God who helps us like a father. Everyone everywhere looks to you, for you are the confidence of all the earth, even to the farthest islands of the sea. What jaw-dropping, astounding power is yours. You're the mountain maker who sets them all in place. You muzzle the roar of the mighty seas and the rage of mobs with their noisy riots. God, 
to the farthest corners of the planet, people will stand in awe, startled and stunned by your signs and wonders. Sunrise brilliance and sunset beauty both take turns singing their songs of joy to you. Your visitations of glory bless the earth. The rivers of God overflow and enrich it. You paint the wheat fields golden as you provide rich harvest. Every field is watered with the abundance of rain. Showers soaking the earth and softening its clods, causing seeds to sprout through the land. You crown the earth with the fruits of your goodness. Psalm 65, 11. You, Lord, crown the earth with the fruits of your goodness. Wherever you go, the tracks of your chariot wheels drip with oil. And oil, of course, is symbolic of the Spirit. Verse 12, luxuriant green pastures boast of your bounty as you make every hillside blossom with joy. The grazing meadows are covered with flocks and the fertile valleys are clothed with grain, each one dancing and shouting for joy, shouting about creation celebration. They're all singing their songs of praise to you, he ends with. Now, I want to go back to verse 11 there. The fruit of God's goodness. What is the fruit of of God's goodness. Well, we go to the New Testament for that, and here's what Jesus revealed to the Apostle Paul and what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Galatians. I'm going to give you some selected verses from chapter 5. Paul says, At last we have freedom, for Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back to the bondage of our past. And that bondage was being enslaved to the lie that God is not always good. He said, beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. He says in verse 14, for all the law can be summarized in one grand statement, demonstrate love to your neighbor even as you love and care for yourself. And then he goes on to say in verse 22, The fruit, and remember back in Psalm 65, the fruit of God's goodness, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue. And the word there is usually translated goodness. It comes from the Greek word that means goodness faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit, Holy Spirit strength and power. He says, never set the law above these qualities, for they're meant to be limitless. See, when we access the mind of Christ and live out of our oneness with the Spirit, we are one. We're so close that we can taste God. What does God taste like? Here's what David wrote again in the Psalms 34.8. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Taste and see, experience for yourself the goodness of God. Well, that fruit of the Spirit nourishes us. We taste and see, we drink of the goodness of God. We become what we eat, love and joy. You enjoy life, you have fun. You experience God's goodness. It is possible to enjoy life, to have fun when we know that God is good And God does good, and God works all things for the good. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, God as Father, here and now. And what he revealed and what he spoke and what he taught was 
God is perfect, unconditional love for all people always. God is pure light with no trace of darkness ever. God is perfect goodness, only good, always good to all. Now, knowing that intellectually won't be of much benefit to you in your everyday life where the rubber hits the road unless we know, experientially know, and trust and believe intimately firsthand that God is good. For anybody who's had an incomplete false understanding of God, in order to come to the understanding that God is good, it requires changing our mind. The Greek word metanoia, that unfortunately has been translated as repent, which has, repent means to do penance over and over again. It has absolutely nothing to do with what the original word meant, change your mind. Changing from whatever we believed about God that's not good, not unconditional love, not pure light with no trace of darkness, to the truth of light, goodness, grace, unconditional love. John eight thirty two. Jesus said, knowing that truth, which is him, truth embodied in him, makes us free. And freedom brings fun. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and joy and fun. Here's how Apostle Paul wrote it in 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15. He said, whenever we turn face-to-face with God, he removes the veil. And there we are, face-to-face. We suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation, the law, is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. When we do that, we actually have fun with God. Fun with Papa and Jesus and Grace. Every day we joyfully anticipate how easy and simple and fun and exciting this adventure is. It's all good because... God is all good, and we are one with the God who is all good. We have the mind of Christ. We are one with the Spirit. We learn the unforced rhythms of grace from Jesus. Last scripture for this time. Look at what Paul wrote in Romans 8, 28. He said, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, For we are God's lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of Jesus. This means Jesus is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Then in verse 31, he says, so what does all this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. And God's gifts are always good. Friends, God is good, always good to all people. He is the real good God. Don't settle for anything that's not good. Hey, thanks for being with me. Love you all. See you all next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, 
and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.